Having demonstrated the theme of Hashem's love to each and every one of us in the blessings before Shema, the Tanya now discusses the corresponding feelings for love for Hashem, which each and every one of us can experience when taking these words to heart. And this is the final answer to our question, how are these blessings a preparation for saying the Shema? In his words, when any intelligent person will impress these words upon the depths of his heart and mind, Hashem's love, how much he has to condense himself for this, then, as we said at the beginning of the chapter, kamayim lapanim lapanim, as in water face reflects the face, so we will have our soul ignited and be infused with a generous spirit to willingly disregard and relinquish whatever is ours. If Hashem pushed aside His infinite light to create a relationship, I can push aside my needs to create a relationship with Him. And you'll want to only connect to Him and be absorbed in His light with attachment and fervor, with the intensity of kissing and merging of spirit with spirit. Literally becoming one. Now, from the above discussion, you could get the impression that all Hashem requires from you is to have a feeling of love for Him, a desire to escape your existence and turn your soul to Him. But this isn't true. It has to develop into action in this world. So, if Judaism demands worldly activity, then how does this merging of spirit with spirit achieve practically? And that's why the Shema says, that these words of Torah shall be on your heart, and you shall speak of them. The third verse is talking about how spirit with spirit, the merging, is achieved through Torah study. An emotional longing for Hashem alone won't connect you to God. And this is a recurring theme in Tanya. It's very nice to have feelings. It has to lead to practical. See, feelings don't connect you to God, for how could a finite being such as yourself bridge the chasm that separates you and Hashem? However, within the Torah, Hashem placed Himself. So when you study Torah, you're bridging the divide. As we learned in chapter 5, the mind-to-mind connection with Hashem that takes place through Torah study is a phenomenal merging experience. There is no other experience like it. Still, the metaphor of kissing implies a raw connection of spirit, not a cognitive one. So how can Tanya equate kissing with a connection of the mind? So he quotes from a, one of the major Kabbalah books, Eitz Chaim. He says over there that that union of Hashem that's called kissing is primarily a union of your mental faculties of Chachma Bin Adas with Hashem's Chachma Bin Adas, and that is when you go into depth of learning of Torah. Okay, fine, so now you have a source, but what's the explanation? So he says like this, kisses of the mouth allude specifically to the study of legal conclusions, halacha, since the mouth expresses and discloses the deliberations of the mind overtly. It takes what you're thinking and expresses it. It takes your mental deliberations and makes it real. And that's why comprehension of halacha in particular is described as kisses of the mouth. So the metaphor of a kiss with Hashem highlights the nature of speech to bring things to a conclusion. And that's why you actually have to express it in your mouth. We're told in Jewish law, if you just learn Torah in your mind, but you didn't express it, you didn't do the mitzvah. Yotzi bisfatav, you have to audibly vocalize it.
as we said in chapter 37, to bring God's light into this world into a physical form, your thoughts have to be expressed in a physical form, and that is speech. By studying Torah with our mind, we elevate ourselves to be intimate with God. But by pronouncing the words of Torah precisely, we elevate the physical world. While the methods might be different, it's all the same. The goal. It's about elevation. And this elevation of the physical world will one day shine upon the earth and all of us. And Hashem's light will be exposed. And that is the purpose of all of creation, to lead us to this incredible time. And in order to bring Hashem's light, we have to be luminous ourselves. By reading the Shamanah's blessings intently, we develop a desire to transcend the world and be intimate with Hashem. And now that we are charged and energized, you can better fulfill the purpose of bringing Hashem's light down here into this world. So ultimately, while your spiritual yearning for transcendence and your sacred responsibility of engaging with this world do represent opposite modes, they are profoundly interconnected. They share the same goal, and they depend on one another. You can only be effective in your sacred responsibility when you have been energized by your spiritual yearnings. And that's how we wrap up this chapter, a way of developing love and translating it into 